0: Hello, Welcome to Pixel Tunes Radio, episode 11. I'm Mike and I'm Ed, and we are coming to you not live. No. This is a podcast.
1: Yeah. It's not a radio show. Oh, yeah. We call it Pixel Toons Radio, but it's not
0: really radio. True. We do broadcast from Pixel Toons Tower around the world, though. Yeah. Via the internet. Yes. You can hear us live everywhere forever. Just by stopping into our house. And when I mean live, I don't mean live. Fake live. But I digress. Yes. Today we're doing a console spotlight. Yeah, we're doing the Game Boy this time around, and we've never done one of these spotlights before. I'm really excited. I'm I'm sure there's going to be some really amazing music that we're going to listen to. We've got ten awesome tracks. So what we did is Mike picked five Game Boy games, and I picked five
1: Game Boy games, and we mushed them together into one giant Game Boy sandwich.
0: Yeah, but there's a lot of weird stuff in here that you've picked. I gotta
1: say. Yeah, you know what? I've decided I'm going to be
0: the obscure (laughs) song You're going to be the weird dude. You're the weird dude. Mike's
1: going to be the common game guy, and I'm going to be the game guy that plays songs that you're like, where the heck did this dude make these (laughs) musics from? I'm going to be the, hey, you ever guys play a... But you've never heard of Mega Man before. Yeah, 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 exactly. (laughs) I'll be like, here's a German game starring Hippopotami. Yeah, yeah.
0: (laughs) So... Yeah, let's talk a little bit about the Game Boy first. So the Game Boy was introduced in... 1989. Yeah, and so it's actually coming up on its, what, 25th anniversary? July 31st will be its 25th birthday. Man, that makes me feel old. Pretty old.
1: I remember when it came out, so... Yeah, yeah. me too, yeah. What did, it, what did you have with the Game Boy
0: when you first got it? All right, so I actually have a really funny Game Boy story. So... When the Game Boy came out, I was like, whatever. It wasn't until the Game Boy Play It Loud series came out, which were, like, transparent or, you know, special colors. Yeah. And they advertised them in Nintendo Power, and that's what hooked me. They had, like, ketchup, which was red. They had relish, which was green, which is the one I really wanted, because green's my favorite color. And then they had, you know, yellow, mustard, all that stuff. And so, it's, it's weird. Like, I don't know what was going through my head, but my grandmother... I think I, like, conned her into getting me the Game Boy. I don't know how I did that, but I was was totally a a big jerk. But I realized as soon as I bought it, I didn't even open it. I felt terrible about it. (laughs) And I was, like, bawling my eyes out. And finally I was just like, no, I feel bad. I want to return it. So I was, like, nine or something. And I was, like, just return it. So my grandmother returned it. So it wasn't until the Game Boy Color came out that I actually legit got a Game Boy. And so I got the Game Boy, the purple one, the original, like, purple one that came out. I got Zelda Link's Awakening DX. So that was my first experience with the Game Boy. And, you know, I think I pretty much just stuck with Game Boy Color games at first until I kind of went back years later and was like, oh, my God, there's a whole other library here, which I knew about, like Metroid 2 and all that type of stuff. Went back and got those games. And, you know, I, I actually prefer... Original Game Boy games to Game Boy Color games. I think there's. I think the Game Boy itself has a better library than the Game Boy Color did. Yeah, I agree with you there. Yeah. Definitely.
1: My story is much more generic. I mean, <laughs> when the Game Boy came out, I believe it. It probably was. I think it was like a graduation present or like a end of school year kind of present. Mm-hmm. Um. You know, we got the first run standard white and gray and red Game Boy with Tetris and I think Mario Land. And my brother and I would fight over it and mm-hmm. play it in the car. And we, didn't, we never really got too many games for it. It was more of a, if we were on a long trip kind of thing, we would just yeah. kind of bust it out and play it. Yeah, I don't think I ever had a Game Boy Color. I got a Super Game Boy for the Super Nintendo. So, I never really played too many Game Boy Color games. I remember having, like, Ninja Turtles Fall the Foot Clan, and I really liked the fact that you could plug in the headphones and listen to them in yep. stereo, which was mainly the way I would do it, because my parents would always be like, shut that off when they're driving in the car and I'm trying to listen to stuff. So, mm-hmm. yeah, nothing fantastic in my story about Game Boy, but that was my experience. Hmm.
0: Yeah, the biggest problem that I always had with the Game Boy was the monochromatic screen, because you really can't see anything on that screen. Right. And when the Game Boy Advance came out, I was like, all right, this is going to be awesome. And they didn't backlight it. (laughs) So I'm sitting there playing Castlevania Circle of the Moon, which was a launch title, and I'm just, like, moving the screen, trying to, like, go in, you know, direct sunlight while I'm sitting as a Toys R Us employee, just like... It's rough. Gotta beat this game. I gotta (laughs) beat it. But, yeah, so... When the Game Boy Advance SP, of course, came out, I mean, those are all... Those are all counted in the Game Boy line, and, you know, I think the Game Boy has sold like, what is it, like 191 million copies of... 118. 118, Yeah, million. something like that.
1: That's that's, that's that's not including Game Boy Advance. That's yeah. just Game Boy, Game Boy Pocket. Oh, that's Pocket, just Game Boy and Game Boy Pocket, right. Game Boy right.
0: Light and Game Boy Color. Yeah. No, that's... But still, those are insane numbers. It's pretty crazy. I actually collect Game Boy Pockets now. I don't know why. I have no idea. I don't have I, a
1: Game Boy anymore. I have a Game Boy Advance. Well, you're not a handheld guy, really. Nah, yeah, yeah, I've talked yeah. about that on the last yeah. episode. Yeah. So.
0: Yeah. yeah, I really like portable games. Pretty much it was always one of those, like, I'm going to take this on the go sort of thing. <laughs> like, I'm just waiting for the day when it's... Well, I mean, you can do it with the Vita nowadays, but I'm waiting for the day when you have a Nintendo handheld where you're, like, you're playing on the handheld... Or you're playing on the system, on, like, the Wii U 2 or whatever, and then... You, know, you have your Nintendo 3, double DS or something. Dope. Yeah. The 4DS. Yeah, the 4DS, I don't <laughs> know. And uh, you'll be able to take it on the go, just take the game that you were playing on the Wii U 2 or whatever and take that on the go. That, that would be awesome. It would
1: be nice eventually to include yeah. that
0: kind of functionality.
1: Yeah. But for now, we're stuck with playing either on the toilet or on your couch.
0: Whoa.
1: Oh, well. So we're going to get into the music now. Oh,
0: yeah. Oh, yeah. we are got to do that whole music thing. We do music on this podcast once in a while. Spoilers. Our first track is a weird one. Okay, so it's the Nintendo Power Game Boy Memory Card song. Bet you've all heard this one before. Yeah, oh, man, this is a classic. This is obviously Ed's pick. <laughs> <laughs> so tell me how you found out about this one.
1: When we talk about obscure, this is probably about as obscure as you get. The yeah. Nintendo Power... GB Memory Flash RAM cartridge was a Japan-only peripheral where you could take this Game Boy cart that had flash memory built into it to convenience stores in Japan and you can write games onto it. And mm. Bring it home and play it kind of like the the BS Satellaview for the Super Famicom.
0: Like the DS when you used to be able to them yeah. over Wi-Fi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. them yep. over Wi-Fi. So yep. similar
1: to that, except it was a physical cartridge instead of instead of just using the RAM and the uh, the DS. I found the music again by my forum. I don't remember who it was that that clued me into it, but they just linked me to a YouTube video of yeah. the, the menu to this cartridge where you would select which game you wanted to play, mm. and it's just it's this groovy, catchy, kind of really neat. Piece this, of music. This and it's is very really, happy. It gets stuck in your head very yeah. easily. Like even after you played it, after you know we were we were talking before the show, I just kept whistling it over and over again. Yeah, it doesn't get out of my head.
0: Yeah. Now this is definitely a very obscure track, and the weird thing is, it says Nintendo Power. Now I don't think Nintendo Power came out in Japan, right? So they just used that name. They use the name. That man. was the branding they used for these
1: these flash writers that were in convenience stores.
0: Uh, as far as who composed this song, no idea. There's no credit. There's yeah. no credit in the game. Nope. But if you guys know who the composer is and you'd like to give us a shout out, let us know. Please let us know. Yeah. Very interested. Give us a heads up and uh, we'll be able to, I guess, officially tag somebody on this because it's a mystery to us. Yep. But make sure that this song is not a mystery to you. Here is, again, Nintendo Power Game Boy Memory Card. was Castlevania 2, Belmont's Revenge, and the track was called New Messiah, and that is one of my favorite Castlevania songs, period. Yeah, that's a pretty cool track. I love this track. I mean, just that freaking bass, man. Yeah, I that mean, square wave bass. Is, yeah.
1: It's You don't really hear that kind of a bass that no. much. And... and I think more so in Game Boy games than NES games. Yeah. A lot of the Western composers would use square wave bass, mm-hmm. like George Sanger, who did Maniac
0: Mansion and Funhouse
1: yeah. and all that. Just gives that kind of a deep, sawtooth, gritty bass yeah. feel oh, to it's, it. Yeah, oh, it's
0: awesome. It's such a gritty, tough, badass song. And so this game, Castlevania two Belmont's Revenge, is unlike other Castlevania games, because other Castlevania games are pretty linear in the yeah, sense Yeah, this that is more like a Metroid-style game. Yeah, sort a sense, of. But... It's less linear. <laughs> it's... So you're going through the game normally like the composer also did the first game, Castlevania the Adventure, which is super slow, really not that great. Like it's the worst of the three for the Game Boy, mm. for the original Game Boy. I agree with you Yeah, but that one was more like a traditional Castlevania game in the sense that you're going from stage to stage in order of, you know, it's always going to be the same order. However, in Belmont's Revenge, you can actually pick which level you want to go to. So you go to the Cloud Castle, the Earth, or Rock Castle, right? And so this actually was the very first one that I picked uh, when playing the game. I was like, oh, I picked this one. And I would forever and always first pick this one. Until later on, when I was like, "No, I'm gonna save this one for last." <laughs> I was like, "This is this is the best for last." <laughs> so, and the whole game has fantastic music. And later on in the game, it's like straight up like Baroque era keyboards. It's it's just, oh. yeah, it's, it's just like keyboards going up and down. So the soundtrack is really varied, really good stuff. If I had to pick a track, though, you just heard it. So new Messiah, good good stuff.
1: The only complaint I had about this game was that
0: it's it, it is a little slow paced. I mean, it takes forever yeah. for yeah. Simon to get across the screen. All the all the Game Boy games are like that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's just
1: I guess maybe it's to cut down on screen blur. Yeah, the limitations of the of the console. That's itself, exactly you know, what it was. Know. Yeah, yeah.
0: But other than that, yeah, it's a really good game. So this track was composed by Hidehiro Funachi, and he has done. Quite a bit of game music, um, mostly all for Konami. So he did, obviously. I just said earlier, Castlevania: The Adventure. He also has done stuff for Operation C, mostly Game Boy stuff. Tandy Tune Adventures, Babs Big Break. He also went on to do some other video type stuff, like for Police Knots and Nagano Winter Olympics '98. He was also thanked in like Kid Dracula. I'm not sure what for. Maybe sound stuff. Maybe sometimes those melodies from
1: yeah. the Game Boy game probably just inspired a couple memories. Because mm-hmm. I know Kid Dracula did have a lot of takeoffs on different true. Castlevania tracks. Yeah, so that's possible. Probably that they just did. used some of his melodies.
0: Yeah, that's true. It's pretty clear that he was part of the whole Konami Kukai Club. or Yeah, Kukai maybe. Hot Club. Kukai. Yeah. yeah. It just sounds like coconuts to me. The Konami Coconut Club. Yeah. yeah. Welcome to the Mounds Bar Room. I yeah, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so, what track are we going to be listening to next?
1: It's from the second level of Rhino Rumble. Okay. From the desert. Okay. Desert stage. Actually. Desert so, we'll level. just call this desert. 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 So, Rhino Rumble was a Game Boy Color game whose music was composed by Jerome Tell. And Jerome Tell is quite a prolific composer. Yeah,
0: he's right up there with like the Chris Halsbeck. You know, Rob uh, Rob Hubbard of the Commodore 64 era. Yeah,
1: yeah. He's a Dutch composer. He started off on the Commodore 64 like so many Western composers did. Mm -hmm. But he has music for, good God, just about everything. NES, Super (laughs) Nintendo, Amiga, PS2. He's got a CDI game, for crying out loud. Wow. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I can't count this list, but it's looking like probably over 100 games.
0: Well, without... Diving in and listing all of those, I'd say my personal favorite of his is RoboCop 3's intro music. Yeah, it was pretty rad. I would say for the Commodore, though, not the NES. I gotta say, like, the NES, I think there was... Some of the grittiness was lost in the NES version, mm. and when you listen to, when you compare the two, which you should totally do, it's, 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 it's not night and day, it's not like it's, you know, well, this one's completely different... They're very very similar, but I just think the Commodore has a little bit more oomph. To yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, you know,
1: as somebody who started off in the C64, I'm sure that Tell probably had a little more of a handle on you know, good sounds out of the C64. Yeah. And the NES wasn't as powerful, I don't think. You know, no. it had more sound channels. Yeah, true. But without a really really good sound driver for the NES, mm-hmm. I think the C64 kind of beat it out in mm-hmm. in terms of sound quality. Yeah there. Yeah. Dep- sure. It really depends. I mean, yeah. if you're
0: talking like what some of the Capcom composers were doing, no way. Right. You know, they blow them out of the water. Yeah. But when you compare it with, you know, some of the crappier NES stuff. I would say C64 beats it out.
1: Yeah, definitely. But then the Game Boy itself had a little bit more flexibility in sure. terms of sound than the NES did. Yeah, it, it, you can make it sound like an NES pretty easily. It has yeah. the same kind of wave tables, synths, and all that stuff going on, the square waves, and etc. But it did have some extra PCM sample capabilities, mm-hmm. a pure noise generator, and then it had the stereo too. So you could you can get more of a stereo effect going on. Sure. So this song. Starts off like most Western composers use is those crazy arpeggios, those mm-hmm. notes that are flying up and down and going crazy. Songs all over the place. Yeah, like, and yeah. then and then it kinda settles into this really nice synth melody that again gets caught in your head just like yeah. my first my first pick did. So yeah. let's enjoy the Desert Stage from Rhino Rumble for the Game Boy colour. is the Game Boy. Hi, my name is Game Boy. Isn't he cute? Haha, <laughs> he plays all sorts of great games. Would
2: you like to play a game with me? We can play Super Mario Land, or Pokemon, and Alpha
1: chicken. Oh, maybe later, little one.
2: Okay, la la la
1: Isn't he adorable, folks? Well, I know you. You don't want adorable. You want a system that can kick ass and rock out and fart and do manly stuff. Well, we've got just the thing for you. Introducing Game Bro! Yo ho ho! Where are the game ladies at? This ain't your grandma's Tetris machine! You've grown up with the Game Boy, and now the Game Boy has grown up with you! This baby runs on pure testosterone and beer! It comes with a razor so you can shave its back! It requires deodorant every morning! And best of all... It only plays sports games!
0: That's right! NBA, NHL, NFL, PGA, PBA, MLE, and, um, uh, soccer! Yeah! You won't see any Pikachu's ruining this manly physique! Now let's go watch some cheerleader cutscenes! The Game Bro!
1: 69 bits of hard-hitting, alcohol, swilling, stubble, growing fun! Pre-order now at GameFlop by or Shamazon.com. Not legal for sale where
0: you live. Uh, yeah, that's the stuff. Alright, thanks for joining us back here at Pixel Tunes Radio. That song was from Shantae. Was it called Burning Town? Burning Town. That is a good, good song. That is actually one of the first songs that you hear in the game as you're just coming off the docks and there's no music at that part if I recall. You're just kind of entering into this literally burning town. Yeah. yeah. The part where the
1: cannonballs are flying at your face and all that stuff. Yeah.
0: So it's a really good track by a really good composer. This is by Jake Kaufman who used to go as Vert. I guess he still sort of goes as Vert for like his chiptune stuff. Yeah. But for his actual like video game soundtracks he goes by Jake Kaufman.
1: Right, so we originally played a track by him from Double Dragon Neon called right. Mango Tango in our Beat-Em-Ups episode, which was episode
0: 2. He's done a lot, a lot, a lot of stuff. <laughs> um, first entered into the game market, I guess you could say, as a composer uh, doing q the Game Boy Color port of q Did a lot of portable games. Shantae was probably one of his most recognizable titles, and that was kind of what got him... At least, in my opinion, well known. Yeah, um, but he'd been doing remixes for years. I mean, I remember listening to stuff on the, what was that website VG Mix or VG? OC Remix? Yeah, Overclock Remix. Well, Overclock Remix. But he also there was another website called like VG Metal or VG Mix or something. I can't remember the name of it. Oh, okay. But it was mostly metal music, actually, like chiptune metal stuff. Hmm. He has done mostly portable work, but he has also done non-portable work. So we'll kind of run through a little bit of some of the more well-known games he's done. He's done a lot of, I guess you could say, games that have, like, licenses, like license titles. Bernstein Bears and, and the Spooky Old Tree. Spy Hunter, Super Sprint, Rugrats. I gotta go party.
1: It's funny how a lot of these Western composers really start off and end up doing like a lot of the licensed yeah. titles. Like even Tim Fallen, and, mm-hmm. and you know, you always see them on licensed titles. True. I wonder why that is. I mean, most most Western development houses end up doing licensed titles, and I think they kind yeah. of use that to get money in order to do their their original projects.
0: I think it's also partly due to like wanting to, you know. Actually get a job. Yeah. And, and those you games know, do sell regardless yeah, of... Yeah, exactly. Quality, and And being able to get your name out there and be like, hey, I did the soundtrack for Who Wants to Be a Millionaire for Game Boy Color? Hire me. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Like, it shows that you're okay with working on licensed titles like Atlantis, which he also did. He also did Carnage Rally. Best cover ever. Best cover art ever. Good God. And so, Shantae wasn't
1: licensed, though, was it?
0: No. Well, Shantae was an original creation by Way Forward Technologies, who he's kind of, like, I guess, in bed with them. Yeah. But in all the right ways. I mean, he's pretty much, he's doing, he's doing... <laughs> yeah. In bed in all the right ways. <laughs> Jake Kaufman's going to listen to this and be like, this guy. <laughs> but he's done tons and tons of work for them, and pretty much all their buddies, too, because they all pretty much hang out together I, I would imagine you know they all Go out support after work yeah 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 so they all pretty much support each other's projects so he's done the mighty series like mighty milky way mighty switch force and mighty switch force Two, which are incredible soundtracks the especially the mighty switch force yeah ones. oh yeah I used on um, mighty
1: switch force as an intro for one of our podcasts yep, yep.
0: and so it's no secret that, that he's one of my favorite composers did he do the
1: mighty mouse series
0: no he did not How about mighty max no Come on now I know God, Man <sighs> Such a jerk Jeez I'm sorry I'm so sorry <laughs> He did the Adventure Time soundtracks for Adventure Time Hey Ice King Why'd You Steal Our Garbage And Explore the Dungeon Because I don't know Because I don't know That's uh, that's a great name Yes for a, One of my favorites yeah. yeah He then came back and did Shantae Risky's Revenge And he also worked on Shantae and the Pirate's Curse Which is coming out later this year Shantae Half-Genie Hero, which is the big game that's coming out, the one that had the Kickstarter. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm really excited about that one. I actually donated money to that one. I'm pretty sick. And another game I donated money to, Shovel Knight, which is coming out later this month in June. So he has done some amazing soundtracks.
1: And if you go to vert.bandcamp.com, yeah. you can purchase you can and listen
0: to a lot of his stuff,
1: yeah. including from Shantae Risky's Revenge yeah. and a lot of the other games he's done. And the original Shantae. Yeah, and Mighty Switch Force and Double Dragon Neon are both on there too. So that is true. So if you enjoyed those songs that we've played,
0: download them. Get your butt on over there. Yeah. Grab some Jake Kaufman music. So our next song is actually Dusk. Geheimnis das Geheimnis der Happy Hippo insel, which is German for the secret of Happy Hippo Island. Where do you pull this stuff out of? My butt, your butt, and Europe. <laughs> this track was composed by Stello Dausis. Dousis, Dousis, I am I not know. familiar, yeah. But uh, so when does this track play? This track
1: plays during the game. First <laughs> second stage? Yeah, second stage. It plays during the second stage. Okay. It's a it's a little kids' game, mm-hmm. but Stello started off doing like chiptune crack cracktros and intros okay. for the C64. Oh, cool. It's like you know a group of hackers basically yeah. would crack games and stuff. Mm-hmm. He was a, a scene music writer for the most part in mm-hmm. the beginning. And then his music started getting noticed by game developers so you know he ended up getting hired out to do Lots of Game Boy Color games and some games that never came out in the US. Hmm. So this was I think a game that was only released in Germany, if I'm not mistaken.
0: Oh with a title like that. I would, I yeah,
1: so. yeah, there was no American version or I think even UK version of this game.
0: This is a very happy song, much like the Nintendo Power track that we played earlier. Yeah,
1: well I mean the game is for kids. Yeah. You're this little blue happy hippo. You Very walk around thinking. on your hind legs, and you have a water meter, and you collect little water bottles. Mm-hmm. And if there's fire in front of you, you can press the B button, and you spit water out, and mm-hmm. you basically douse the fire. Yeah. Move on. So you're essentially a
0: on. glorified animal firefighter. More or less, yeah. I guess. Uh-huh.
1: Yeah. I mean, not much to say about the game, mm-hmm. but the music Pretty it's good. pretty rad. Yeah, I'm, I'm digging it. Well, let's take a listen. Absolutely. This is Das Geheimnis der Happy Hippo insult. from Stella <laughs>
0: Welcome back to Pixel Toons Radio. Oh <laughs> my Yes, that was Battletoads. Burtle Turds! <laughs> Burtle <Bertalturs. laughs> Battletoads for the game. Wait, this is the first game, stage four, by Dave Weiss, or David Weiss if you're nasty. David Weiss. Mr. Weiss. Mr. Weiss. Mr. Weiss if you're nasty. <laughs> He has done some amazing music. I mean, we've played him on the show before, obviously. probably I, I was just talking about Wizards and Warriors 2, Iron Sword. Yeah. You know, all the uh, Wizards and Warriors games, Donkey Kong Country 1 and 2. Yeah, Battletoads and
1: Donkey Kong, I think, are the two that he's yeah. most well-known for. But yeah. And he also ported a Marble Madness soundtrack yep. for the NES. He did a Captain Skyhawk on the mm-hmm. NES. A lot of games. He's a lot a of licensed up. games, too. Yeah. yeah.
0: I think he did Frame Roger Rabbit, too. Did he? I think so. Neat. I'm pretty sure. He did a lot of soundtracks for, it was like rare games, but like they were published on different systems and stuff.
1: Yeah. You know, what's interesting about him is that all of his music was programmed and not played. Mm -hmm. So even up to the Super Nintendo, like when he was doing the Battletoads Super Nintendo games, he would use a sound driver where he would have to input two values for every note that was played in the song one for the pitch of the note and the other one for the duration of the note so every song you hear mm-hmm. is him actually like manually typing in what value and pitch for every single wow. note that's played so that's
0: insane work I
1: can only imagine how long so that's why you don't hear a lot of crazy note runs I think, I think. Right. and his songs are more simple but still
0: memorable delicately memorable.
1: proposed because a lot of work goes into each tune Yeah, except battle to its pause theme
0: So, yeah, he's done a lot of different stuff. Um, One of my favorite soundtracks by him is Snake Rattle and Roll from Nintendo. I mean, that's just feel good. Oh, yeah, cool 50s and, you know, 60s, like, doo-wop type, you know, Elvis stuff. It's really good stuff. Yeah.
1: You know, he kind of got out of the scene for a little bit, but then most recently did... Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze on the Wii U. Yeah, I, th- game.
0: I think the whole thing about about with Rare, like everything that went down with Rare, kind of probably soured him a little bit, I would imagine.
1: Yeah, I heard that that changeover wasn't the
0: best no. for all the employees there. Yeah, yeah, it's a shame. I mean, I wish that they would have just stayed with Nintendo, but, you know, it, that's, I guess, the road not traveled.
1: Yeah. Sad face. You learn from your mistakes, I guess. Wow. But, you know, they're doing a good job with, with Donkey Kong Country now, yeah. so you know, I guess you don't need to be rare to be able to do Donkey Kong.
0: Very true. Very true. <laughs> it yeah. sounds really gross Yeah. To take it the wrong way. You don't need to be rare to be Donkey Kong. To, to do Donkey Kong. To do Donkey Kong. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Anybody can do Donkey Kong be well done and do Donkey Kong as long as you're doing the DK rap while you do Donkey Kong oh don't even
1: remind me that is a song (laughs) you will never hear from me on this podcast that is a
0: song you will always hear from me Uh, on this podcast
1: good lord so what's our
0: next track rock Rage Wars so this song is freaking awesome actually all the music in this game is really good this is like
1: straight up European techno yeah on a Game Boy
0: yeah Game Boy Color yeah good stuff same thing yeah you know you know
1: this is, this is the thing. I, I consider Game Boy and Game Boy Color to really be one system. Really? Yeah. When I was like, dude, let's do a Game Boy podcast. You were like, are we going to do Game Boy Color too? I just kind of looked at you cross-eyed because I was like, of course, it's one system. Why wouldn't you do Game Boy Color games? <laughs> I mean, because for the most part, the sound hardware is the same. You really... Mm-hmm. If you didn't know which game came from Game Boy Color or Game Boy but by listening to it, I don't think you could really tell. I,
0: I don't know about that. I, I'm going to disagree so? with that. Yeah, because... If you listen to the sounds, the they're a lot more pronounced, I would say, on the Game Boy Color. Hmm. I think that most of the games that came out there were, were even more so able to be emulated based on Nintendo. I mean, like Super Mario Bros. Deluxe, perfect example, you had Mario 1 on a Game Boy Color. If you look at... The Game Boy Color and the games that were coming out. Most of the games were either ports or like slight variations on the on the NES games. I mean, you would have like yeah, Final Commando and you know Super Mario Brothers, and you know all these games were coming out, and they were mostly ports at first. I, I you know I mean either that or they were redos of original Game Boy games because they could be like now we're in color, yeah. Which I was always so mad that they never did Metroid Two. Because that was a game that needed color to, yeah. to separate. Well, that, all those had, that had Super Game Boy compatibility, though. Yeah, like, true. Get,
1: I mean, you obviously wouldn't get the array of colors, no. but it would still kind of recognize that cart and put its own color palette in. Yeah,
0: true. And then, of course, Game Boy Advance kind of put that in as well, because mm-hmm. you could change the colors on Game Boy and Game Boy uh, Game Boy games, not Game Boy Color games. Yeah. But, anyways. Turok Rage Wars. This was obviously a port of the main N64 game that came out. The Turok Rage Wars were, you know, multiplayer title on the N64. Yeah. But this is actually more of a yeah, platformer. Yeah, I'd say it wasn't
1: really a port. It was just yeah. more of a...
0: It a, was a completely a new di- New game with the same name, basically. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's how they did it back then. That's how a lot of games... When portable games were coming out, even especially the Game Boy Advance, because you would see these grand, you know, GameCube and PS2 games that were coming out, and the Game Boy was like, "Well, I can do this," and it was like platform. Oh yeah, there was such a, a disparity between yeah.
1: the the hardware capabilities that you, if you had a, you know a, a three dimensional console game, mm-hmm. you could not port that to a Game Boy yeah. or a Game Boy Color, not without it sucking crap. You yeah. know,
0: and what what was nice about that is you had all these developers. Doing new, unique stuff that was more akin to the Nintendo Super Nintendo era, and so yeah, a game would come out like, for example, I don't know, like the TMNT game that came out, you know, yeah, for the CG movie, yeah, Drill Dozer. Well, Drill Dozer was a very that was a original title that was really cool. You would see like TMNT on GameCube, PS2, Xbox, mm-hmm. and it sucked. I mean, it was terrible. And then they would come out with a Game Boy Advance game, and it was, like, straight up... Like 2- an enhanced Super Nintendo game, basically. 2D brawler, and it was, like, an awesome beat-em-up, like, yeah. great music, which was actually done by Jake Kaufman. Great music, great game, lot of fun, and that was what was really special about the Game Boy Advance, the Game Boy Color, and the Game Boy is you would oftentimes see portable versions of big-time games... And the games were great. Like they, For the most part, they were really good. They were fun. They were they were just a different adventure.
1: Yeah. Yeah,
0: kind of a different spin or a different yeah. way to look at yeah. the same kind of theme. So tell me about this Alberto Gonzalez guy.
1: Alberto Jose Gonzalez. I, I don't know. I mean, his music's amazing. Yeah. he's He was heavily inspired by Tim Fallon as he was growing up on mm-hmm. all his Spectrum and, and C64 stuff. So Gonzalez actually started off. Composing on the spectrum, he was a graphic designer as well, and did a little bit of coding for some. Oh games. wow, really! But then he ended up going into music full time because I think just his his music was heads and tails above yeah any other stuff that was out there. Well, this so, Turok track kind of shows that. Yeah, yeah, he he did a lot of work for the Turok series. I think he did three the three Turok games that were really? on the Game Boy. Huh. He did a lot of the European titles like Asterix and Obelix. Okay. And then he did Smurfs Nightmare. A lot of licensed titles like yeah. we were talking about before. Mm-hmm. You know, I've, I've had the pleasure of talking with him on Facebook a little bit, and he's just, he knows his stuff. He's yeah. a huge video game music fan. That's cool. He, he really likes remixes. Mm-hmm. Um, he's very gracious to people that, you know, shout him out and say, I really love this music on your, yeah. you know, on the Game Boy or whatever. His soundtracks kind of stand really his and Tails of a lot of the other yeah. stuff that's out there. This one as I said before is like a very European techno style song. A lot of the stuff from Turok was a little more techno oriented yeah. and the stuff from like Smurfs and Asterix and Obelix tended to be more like the chip tune a lot of arpeggios and stuff right.
0: like that. Happy go so. lucky type of European Kind of like what we were listening to before with the German game. Yeah. Yeah.
1: But we will definitely hear more of Gonzalez in the future. I hope you guys really like this track. This is just track number six. This was actually on my farm. I put out a little thing. I'm like, we're doing Game Boy Games next podcast. Boom. Give me some suggestions. Yeah, yeah. And a user by the name of Knivesman, who's been a really cool guy, suggested this track. So shout out to him. Thanks for suggesting this one. Here we go. Alberto Jose Gonzalez.
0: Watch yourself. We'll be supporting you through Kodak. There he goes again. That stealthy super soldier. The one and only Solid Snake. Are you tired of this guy entering into places he doesn't belong? Uh, yeah. I can imagine as a guard for your base, it must be pretty frustrating. Tell me about it. This guy can come out of nowhere. And as a lowly
1: guard, I don't really want to get involved. Just let me walk the base so I can help pay for my
0: half of my child support. That's entirely too much information. Anyways, what if I told you that there was a way to get away with taking him down without confrontation? Oh, you mean like a bear trap or something? No. That's just awful. You need Stealth Stopper. Stealth Stopper? What does it do? Stealth Stopper is a revolutionary way to stop pesky intruders from sneaking into your enemy bases. First, you'll need to attach Stealth Stopper to any household product. A coffee mug, Lint brush, or AK 47, and listen as your target is caught. Okay, well, how does it work? Using a built in nanotechnology enhanced paper thin speaker and recorder, Stealth Stopper allows you to pre record yourself pretending to be a tourist by pressing the power button right underneath this plastic sheet. As soon as your target interacts with it, Stealth Stopper allows your target to be caught red handed. Oh, but why a tourist? Who cares? Let's watch. I'm close to Metal Gear. I can feel it. Hey, what's with this random teddy bear? Oh my god! Is that Solid
1: Snake? Honey, get a picture with him! I never thought I'd meet anybody famous while vacationing, but but just look at me now, Mom!
0: No! I'm attracting unwarranted attention! Damn you, Stealth Stopper!
1: Snake! Come in! Snake! SNAKE! Oh, the hell
0: with this, I'm going for a burger! Still stopper. Now available nowhere. Welcome back!
1: That was Infiltration 2 from Metal Gear Solid for the Game Boy Color.
0: It's technical term, Metal Gear Ghost Babble. No,
1: Ghost Babble was a Japanese version. It was Metal Gear Solid in the U.S. It was
0: Metal Gear Solid in the U.S., but I think most fans just call it Ghost Babble. I don't know why, but I don't know. Well, you can Ghost Babble. You can Ghost Babble your your mom. Gross. You mean, hey. Hey there. Hey there.
1: Ricky. <laughs> so tell me about this song. Tell me about this game. Yeah. i, I played
0: the game a little bit, but yeah. I didn't get all the way through it. Okay, neither to Die, but uh, it, it is really good. It's definitely a throwback to the MSX Metal Gear yes, games. absolutely. It really hammers home the whole classic stealth infiltration, and... The AI is incredible in this game. Like, it's it's really well done on the Game Boy. You wouldn't think that it would be, but, you know, for a Game Boy Color game that came out somewhat late in its life cycle, not as late as Shantae, obviously, but this is definitely one of my favorite Metal Gear games. Right up there with Metal Gear Solid, and obviously, you know, the MSX games, which I really need to sit down and play through because mm-hmm. I really love the crap out of Ghost Battle. So, this track, of course, is Infiltration 2. It plays during the later parts of you trying to get into this base. The whole premise of the game is you're going back to, you know, Solid Think gets hired back in, you know, and it's all like, I'm you know, from Alaska. I thought I was out, but they pulled me back in. Yeah, basically that whole thing, you know. Yeah, so let's talk a little bit about the composers, because actually the composers are pretty famous for doing other Metal Gear games. So the first composer is Norihiko Hibino, Mm -hmm. and he had done the work for Metal Gear Solid Four for the cinematics, uh, Metal Gear Solid Two for all the in-game music, Metal Gear. Solid for the Twin Snakes, twin snakes for the cutscenes, Metal Gear Solid 3, Metal Gear Solid Portable Ops. I mean, he's done pretty much mostly Metal Gear games. Yeah, done some other stuff like Bayonetta, uh, Zone of Enders. He's a fairly recent composer. Has done other stuff like anime and uh, all other kinds of albums. He's also a saxophonist and has done stuff at Video Games Live and all sorts of other places. Cool. So, yeah, he's multi-talented when it comes to composing.
1: It makes sense that somebody like, you know, Hideo Kojima who is really obsessed with continuity and canon mm-hmm. would try to keep the same composer throughout True. all the games because yeah. it, it does. The games musically, whether it's from Game Boy all the way up to PS3, mm-hmm. really kind of have that same yeah. feel and theme same, to it.
0: Same style, same theme. So the second composer was Kazuki Muraoka, and he also did Metal Gear for the NES. He did Contra for the arcade, Metal Gear Solid, uh, Metal Gear Solid VR missions, Boktai 2, Metal Gear Solid
1: 3. So basically Konami dude. Yeah,
0: basically Konami. Yeah. So, But he also has done tons of work on Metal Gear. So these two kind of, I guess, pair up in most cases for Metal Gear games. And so this song is just laid back. I know you said you weren't really feeling the song that much. This wasn't really your jam. I don't know. I like... Stealth songs, infiltration type songs like this. Um, one thing I will say about the Metal Gear games is they have very sneaking melodies. Oh well, yeah, you know espionage Yeah. So. Oh, it's awesome. And I'm not a big fan of that kind of game. Right. I okay. played
1: the first Metal Gear Solid, right. but I really didn't continue with the series. Because oh, really? I don't, as a gamer, mm-hmm. I don't feel like I have the patience to mm-hmm. wait for a guy to walk mm-hmm. by me and turn around yeah. and sneak up to him and be like, holy crap, he found me. Yeah. And then drag his body somewhere. It just it feels like work to me and, uh-huh. and it doesn't feel like fun to me. Okay. And I, people enjoy that and that's yeah, totally fine. I can but, respect that though. Um so like in this in this particular piece of music, because I don't really play that style game that much, as an individual piece of music, I think it feels slow and plotting. Yeah. But of course, in the in the the breadth of Where it is in the game And what you're doing in the game Of
0: course the music is going to be apropos Yeah, I agree with you there I think you really need to At least have the game in your head When you're listening to this Mm -hmm. song So you can know Where it's coming from And know the whole theory behind it And that's kind of with The Minogur games too I mean Hideo Kojima makes games that Are basically like Practically movies In most cases I really wish they would return to this type of style, though, with the top-down traditional Metal Gear game, even if it was, like, a, like a downloadable thing. Like title. a WiiWare game. Or yeah, WiiWare game. yeah. That'd be really cool. And, you know, it's a shame, because now, obviously, his games are more movies than games especially with this latest Metal Gear that came out i mean a lot of people were complaining that there's like 20 minutes of gameplay footage yeah particular. yeah and i think a lot of effort goes into this kind of game
1: and i don't know if they believe that the amount of effort would be worth the sales and then there's also fitting it into canon cuz Kojima after Metal Gear Snake's Revenge he yeah. was like i'm never going to allow a game like that that yeah. doesn't fit into the Metal Gear solid sure. storyline yeah so i get there's a lot of planning that it's going to go into a game like that. They decide yeah. to do kind of an offshoot-style mm-hmm. thing. And they have
0: done, like, a Metal Gear Acid series, which was really cool. Yeah, but none um, of them
1: sold very well, and that's yeah. the problem. So yeah, that I, is I the just problem. think that the risk isn't isn't really
0: yeah worth it for them, if they're going to be spending millions upon millions of dollars mm-hmm. doing a A title, you know? Actually, there was a recent announcement that uh, Konami gave their blessing to a... A, I guess remake Of, of the, the original MSX yep, game Which is awesome. really cool I'm, I'm excited to play that I hope they release it For like actual download On like game consoles You know what I mean Something that will Yeah know, Yeah really usually
1: cool. they only Come out for PC Like that I Mega know. Man vs. Street Fighter Game that Capcom I wanted that licensed.
0: for For the Wii so bad Yeah
1: you know it's unfortunate, but I think there is a lot of licensing. Because you're going to have to pay the consoles to do that. Mm-hmm. And because Konami isn't actually going to be owning the rights to the game, True. The, pe- the people that make the game are going to have to pay to put their game on a console. Right. And so there's right. a Kickstarter, whole legal
0: battle that goes into that. Kickstarter, Konami, yeah. make it happen. Yeah, we'll see about that. <laughs> <laughs> So, what about this next track? I've, I've, pl- I've heard of this game, and I've heard the soundtrack because you've played it, but tell us a little bit about this. Well,
1: Project S11 is a vertical shooter for okay. Game Boy, and it's the game itself is... Game Boy Color? Game Boy Color, or? Or? sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Again, me linking them together in my yeah. life. You silly guy. I know. As a game goes, it's kind of a generic... Shooter. It doesn't really have much that stands out about it, except for this freaking amazing soundtrack. Mm-hmm. And it's composed by Alexi Eben and Jon Veltonen, mm. and they are two European gentlemen who started off, again, just
0: kind of like... I um, could have sworn they were American. Yeah, with those names.
1: <laughs> you know, there really aren't that many, aside from, like, Kaufman, yeah. American yeah. Game Boy composers. That's true. You know? Yeah. But in any case, I'm digressing. These two gentlemen were part of the intro and crack scene for the Commodore 64. However, they went kind of one step further, and now Valtonen does symphonic compositions mm. for films and TV. and So he's really kind of like top-tier, uber composer now. Mm.
0: Strange, because a lot of composers don't don't actually know. do that. They go from, you know, games yeah. to movies and, like, TV and film Yeah, and
1: yeah, like, Just for Kid and, and, yeah. and, yeah, going onward with that. Yeah, it, I guess it is kind of a, a logical progression if you want to start scoring for films and True. such. But then, you know, there are a lot of people out there that just love chiptune and want to, want to keep with that. Mm-hmm. So they just end up staying with that kind of music. And then Alexa Eben is the same kind of deal except he's more I think stays more towards the pop and chip tune mm-hmm. side of things the soundtrack blows me away I think it's probably one of the most impressive Game Boy soundtracks yeah. I've heard it kind of reminds me of Summer Cardinal 92 yeah Rekha, Rekha. a bit it's in the genre of music where it's right. just kind of straight up European techno mm. but they do a lot of really cool things with the Game Boy that I've never heard before with mm. different you know layers of sound and just some samples that are just kind of out of this world yeah. So I'll let the music Speak for itself Here's Project S11 This is the Icons Desert Stage
0: Welcome back. That is Pixel Tunes Radio, and that was our final track. The third Ninja Gaiden song we've played so far. Yeah, well, you know what? I like me some Ninja Gaiden. Gaiden. Whatever. Yeah. I'm just going to call it Ninja Gaiden, or Ninja Gaiden. It's Gaiden. I know
1: it's Don't Gaiden. Don't you remember the wizard? The movie The Wizard, when everybody simultaneously learned how to pronounce Ninja Gaiden? Ninja
0: Gaiden. <laughs> so that was Ninja Gaiden. I was Ninja Gaiden yeah. until that movie came out, <laughs> and at the end of the movie, that's you
1: were like, true. Gaiden,
0: oh, now it yeah. sounds weird to me, yeah. you know. <laughs> and there were all those games that came out like that had the word Gaiden in it or Gaiden, and yeah. it, it just means wanderer. Yeah, yeah, like Resident Evil Gaiden. Yeah, and yeah. Well, it's it's a lot of it is like side story. I've also or side story. Yeah, yeah, like side story. So that track was obviously from Ninja Gaiden Shadow. And that was composed by Hirooki Iwatsuki. He's done tons of stuff for Natsume.
1: And Because this was originally a Natsume game,
0: right? Yep. yep. Yeah, originally this game was Shadow of the Ninja. But Tecmo got their hands on it and I guess, I don't know, worked out a deal with them to be like, Hey, it's going to sell if it's got the Ninja Gaiden name on it. And they were like, okay. Can we buy this game from you guys? Yeah, basically. But the game was pretty much wrapped up or in the processes of being finished. Yeah,
1: so a lot of the soundtrack ended up being pulled from Ninja Gaiden, Ninja Gaiden 2, with some original pieces from From Shadow of the Ninja.
0: This track was the credits track, and this is one of the few tracks that's original. Some of the other ones are, you know, like the intro is right from Ninja Gaiden 2, um, just in a crappier rendition, I guess you could say. (laughs) That intro
1: cracks me up, man. Yeah. It's like here's a new villain. And it's so like, it so breaks the fourth wall because yeah. at the end in parentheses it's like, Jack here hasn't woken up yet. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, this was... Uh, by the way, this is where it appears in the storyline, you know?
0: <laughs> yeah, this was definitely a uh, side story to Ninja Gaiden as we said. Yeah,
1: and it does feel a little bit slapped together, I think, yeah. just because of the whole borrowing the game Shadow from that to
0: Yeah, And I mean, some of the tracks you could really tell that they were composed by Hiroki Iwatsuki, whereas the other tracks are very... Ninja Gaiden, tecmo Yeah. So there's just this clash of companies that just, it just sounds weird. But I love it. It's a great soundtrack. Iwatsuki has done tons of soundtracks. Ninja Warriors, Paki and Rocky 1 and 2. Mighty Morphin Power Rangers Fighting Edition. Uh, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers he did Sound Effects for for the original game. He also did uh, Power Rangers Movie... Um, Gundam Wing, which has a really good soundtrack. I yeah. love the
1: title of this one. Ghost Sweeper Mikami, Jureshi hot, nice body. <laughs> uh, and um, then Wild Guns, which is a pretty, pretty sought-after game nowadays. Nice body, nice body, nice body.
0: This is my nice body. I'm gonna sweep the ghost off that Excuse nice me. body. Do you see my nice body? <laughs> that game is a Japan-exclusive action game, actually. And it's uh developed on that sume. Yeah, but
1: most recently he did a uh, half minute hero and the second half minute hero. Mm-hmm. He had tracks in both of those. Yeah. So
0: you'll see him pair with Kenyo Yamashita pretty often. He does a lot of work with her good stuff. Talked about a lot of this. You cannot stuff. Yeah, yeah. But you know what? You gotta keep it fresh, man. It's true. It's what we're here for doing on the street, keeping it real, keeping it fresh, keeping it tight. Those mean streets of Pixel Tunes basement, yeah. Yeah, hey, listen, you know, you gotta keep things locked down, you know?
1: <laughs> Do you have any, like, special Game Boy memories, like, after you got hmm. the console? Or console, yeah.
0: Or whatever? yeah. I remember being obsessed with any of the Castlevania games, hmm. and I would get super excited buying any handheld for Castlevania. In fact, I bought a PSP years later, like, years after the system came out specifically because they came out with a port of Rondo of Blood, which was like an enhanced port. Oh, yeah. And I, you know, I'd never gotten my hands on the game until the Wii version for the actual, you know, when they came out with it on the virtual console. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I just remember getting super stoked and excited about, you know, reading about, about Circle of the Moon or any, you know, like Belmont's Revenge, any of the games that came out on any of the Game Boy systems or really any portable, so... Yeah. That's kind of my selling point. If you put a Castlevania game out on a system, that's it. It's I got to buy the system. It's already in Mike's yeah. living room. If they knew, <laughs> if they if they knew that that was the trick to get me to buy a system, just put out a Castlevania yeah, yeah. game, that that'd be it, man. I guess aside from Tetris, I
1: really like Mario 2, The Six Golden Coins. I got mm-hmm. all the way through that one. Yep. And then the first Ninja Turtles game, Fall of the Foot Clan. Mm-hmm. Man, I would play that game, like, obsessively. And really? I think I can still get through that entire game without losing a life. Wow. And it had a really good soundtrack, Yeah. too. But, you know, I didn't, like I said, because of my whole kind of aversion to handhelds, especially ones that aren't backlit, yeah. I didn't really start playing and getting interested in older Game Boy games until I was able to play them on a real TV via, like, Game Boy Player. Yeah. I'm actually really looking forward to the RetroN 5. I know it's it was technically released a couple days ago as of this recording, but yeah. I haven't gotten mine from Amazon yet. But, mm-hmm. you know, I do have a fair selection of Game Boy games at home. And the yeah. first thing I'll be doing is shoving it into that system and Trying seeing out. how those work. Yeah. you
0: yeah. should have blown the cartridge beforehand.
1: Yeah, well, the cool thing is you can play with, like, Super Nintendo or Genesis mm-hmm. controllers, so yeah. you can really kind of, you know experience the Game Boy any way you want
0: that's true yeah and I mean like I remember all the various different things that came out to play Game Boy on a big screen TV like the Game Boy the Super Game Boy yep. that came out that enhanced the colors which was really cool I never had one of those back in the oh, day I loved mine the Game Boy Player was really my first experience with playing portable games on and it's still my preferred choice of playing a game on like a big screen TV yeah so I love my Game Boy Player it's fantastic so this is going to do it for our Game Boy spotlight. We hope you guys enjoyed it. Leave us some comments. And where can you leave some comments for the for that Jeez. Well, we do have a Facebook page. Do we? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. So I guess you people can go do to that.
1: Yeah, you can go to Facebook.com yeah. slash PixelTunesRadio, mm-hmm. and we will post videos of the games that we're talking about. We'll mm-hmm. post some pictures of stuff going on. Maybe some Instagram stuff some going on. Instagram. We've got, yeah, Instagram, Pixel Tunes radio on Instagram. Add us on Twitter at Twitter.com forward slash
0: Pixel Tunes radio,
1: And we will respond to any questions we get
0: through Twitter or
1: Facebook. We love yeah. interacting with you guys guys.
0: guys so yeah talk to us show us you love us or show us you hate us whatever you want to do it's cool yeah we'll
1: take your hate and stride
0: we also have some mugs for sale so pixel tunes radio you'll be able to order a mug which you may have seen on the facebook page recently if you're interested send us a message we'd love to get you guys out some goodies to, uh, you know, you order and send them out to you so you can share the Pixel Toons Radio love with everyone. Yeah, and
1: if you guys would prefer, like, t-shirts or hoodies, let us know because yeah. if there's an interest for it, we'll definitely have some made up and we will definitely be offering those as well.
0: Yeah, I'm going to get me a Pixel Toons Radio hoodie. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah, that'd be awesome for the fall season. But Maybe you know yeah. what? It's summer. Got to cool down with a t-shirt and a nice cup of water. Nice tea. ice tea. ice coffee. ice coffee. Yeah, that sounds good right about it. Let's mm-hmm. go get one of those. Mm-hmm. All right. So until next time, stay tuned, be safe, be cool, and go play some Game Boy outside. Go play a game, boy. Peace out, suckers.